A broken sunlight quavers over the southern porch, where I lie on my couch, abandoned to idleness. Multiverse, um, where today we will actually be looking at, ta-da, something from a, a non-European poet. Um, but to lead into that, kind of something that's happened over the past decade is, is there's been this migration of core concepts and conversations from academia into the public discourse, and we kind of recognize them. Um, as you know elements of the woke agenda quote unquote where you could easily rewrite pete seeger's folk folk song which side are you on and focus on the lyrics on the debate um over the quote unquote woke agenda and and what is that agenda well that the people should enjoy equal access to rights and services and dignity but not all people have that access and until they do should we support their rights to attain it um i digress but you know you have kids in junior high school being asked to reckon with these concepts or ideas about authentic and performative identity um, to acknowledge the existence and manifestations of privilege seasons of life and swings in fortune etc that feel like maybe even adults don't fully reckon with them and yet we're being you know kind of bombarded with them from a young age but the point is that these discussions can feel thoroughly modern, like problems that belong to our age, um, some kind of blessing and curse of having access to so many ideas and perspectives that we have to be more serious and honest about how we engage in the world. Well, is that true? Or is it possible that the strain of thought in Western society that appears to run from the Enlightenment to the Romantics to the Existentialists and the Postmodernists, where it all got jumbled up and has now exploded everywhere thanks to the digital revolution, is it possible that so many of these concerns are just questions that have always lingered? And if so, well, wouldn't they show up as universal? And I would argue, and I think this poem for this week will show us very succinctly, and almost humorously um, that it does. So, classical Chinese poetry, which is where this comes from, and it really encompasses an enormous spectrum of movement schools and entire dynasties, um, can sometimes feel stylized, reverential, occasionally a bit stilted, particularly in certain translations, like anything else. So, can think of getting into cantos translated properly from Dante's Inferno, which was a chore. Imagine doing so for a character-based language that can play with direct and slant rhyme in ways that English poetry can't even conceive of. But sometimes it works incredibly well and the language feels so direct that the universal concerns we were just talking about take on the quality of well, something that might help us feel a lot more comforted about the present state of the world than we currently do. A word in advance before we read. There are some statements about class that can feel a little gross, but the poem is meta enough in a way that it kind of gets turned back around on the speaker in some interesting ways. And we begin. This is by Bao or Bo Zhuyi. After collecting the autumn taxes from my high castle, I look down below, where the natives of Po cluster like a swarm of flies. How can I govern these people and lead them aright? I cannot even understand what they say. But at least I am glad, now that the taxes are in, to learn that in my province there is no discontent. I fear its prosperity is not due to me, and was only caused by this year's abundant crops. The papers that lie on my desk are simple and few. My house by the moat is leisurely and still. 
In the autumn rain, the berries fall from the eaves. At the evening bell, the birds return to the wood. A broken sunlight quavers over the southern porch, where I lie on my couch, abandoned to idleness. And that translation is by Arthur Whaley. So Bo, or Bao, evidently had a unique reputation among readers of his own era, which coincided with the latter years of the Tang Dynasty, from roughly 772 to 846 AD. I have only a passing familiarity with him, and with Tang Dynasty and Chinese poetry in general, but it's clear that there's a melding of style, of language and tone, and ideas here that, again, just feels incredibly modern. So take the structure. The poem establishes a setting, a time, a place, an event, and also an immediate thematic element, the juxtaposition of high and low, of self and the other, this speaker up in his tower, looking down upon the natives, clustered like a swarm of flies. It's almost a setup for a punchline, as the next line says. I can't even understand what they say. This is a man of authority and responsibility and status and wealth who acknowledges that while his first thought is to look at these people as flies or some other kind of swarming insect, it's himself who is the other, in fact. And it's kind of a heavy question, then. How can this man or any other really centuries before the debate over what the role and the importance of the individual in society might be or in history truly is, the great man debate for posterity's sake, Bao Zhuyi speaks plainly his suspicion that likely none of this is due to him, that there is no legacy to be found in whatever things might be in their right place. I sense that he wishes this weren't true, that causality and influence had in fact allowed him to claim some responsibility for these things. Who doesn't want to, you know, give themselves a little bit of credit? Um, but that's why he fears the acknowledgement. But I think he understands on a deeper level that doing so would be dishonest. And he admits as much to the speaker, even if it's a, a private admission. Um, do I think that he would tell these this people, the natives, that he's responsible for governing? Yeah, none of this is none of this is my doing. I don't deserve any credit for this. No, I don't think so. But nevertheless, these are the moments that he has to be honest with himself about that there is no real causality to trace back to himself or his position or his authority. And finally, just as he transitions, I want to transition to these last four lines, which just kind of starkly stand out. And there's some suggestion that maybe this is part of the uh, duality in this poem and in Chinese society in general between Confucianism and Taoism at the time, and that this is the Taoist element coming through, um, this return to nature, this observing of processes and transition that, again, he has no influence or um, any effect over. The autumn rain, the turning of the seasons, the berries falling, the broken sunlight. I love that word, the broken sunlight, and how it quavers over the southern porch. Um, and then there's this last line where it returns to him again, where I lie on my couch, abandoned to idleness. And, and I can't help but make a reference here, even though I don't like to do that. It reminds me so immediately of um, the line in I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud by William Wordsworth, um, where in the last stanza, he says, quote, for oft when on my couch I lie in vacant or pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye, which is the bliss of solitude. Um, and there's something about this moment of repose where he has the luxury to be within his thoughts, to be able to reflect on the things that are happening subconsciously that are either bringing him joy or bringing him a moment of reflection. And I would say in contrast to Wordsworth, who seems to have this, you know, kind of moment of bliss where his memories are keeping him company with Bao Zhuyi, it's 
almost a reflection on what is his life and what does his life amount to, where I lie on my couch abandoned to idleness. Um, we just see an individual who realizes that, you know, maybe the idleness comes from, well, being in a position that asks a lot of you, but that one really has no real force to exert over the world. And so he's writing poetry. And so he's using this time to reflect and commenting on his own role, not in his own life, but in others and realizing that the most that he can do is take this time to reflect on what is the best course for himself? What is the best course for the other? And ultimately, perhaps it's just to allow the seasons to happen. Perhaps it's just to allow for change to be what it is. Is that the Taoist philosophy? Is that an exclusively Eastern philosophy? I don't know, but I find it worth questioning and worth thinking about and hopefully a good way to start our, our week off. Until next time.